Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Zephora. And this is Stacked. Welcome, Welcome. back. Yeah. <laughs> Eager. <laughs> How are you, friend, anyway? I'm good, I'm good. You good? I'm tired. Girl. Someone on the train gave me a cold. <laughs> I know who they are. <laughs> Do you remember them? Do you remember the specific I'll sneeze never that their did face. it? <laughs> new immediately them ones but otherwise i'm good how are you i am not well rested like i actually am having to find new ways of saying tired i'm tired because (laughs) i'm so tired of being tired what's that song that goes like i'm I'm sick and tired (laughs) i've always been sick and tired i honestly wanted to start singing something but i don't know that song (laughs) okay but yeah that's me i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired man (laughs) it's okay not to be i know that one (laughs) yeah that's all right about. i'm so tired but you know what i feel you though yeah we we, we move this is adulting apparently yeah so. i keep the question i keep asking myself is people with children Ugh. how are you doing it oh so you know what i mean how are they doing it <sighs> i can barely parent myself <laughs> <laughs> Just, no i have nothing to say on yeah. that <laughs> Okay, so are you reading anything interesting at the moment? So I'm finally finishing In the Dream House. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that you actually went back to it because yeah, I think yeah. it's such a good book. It's so good. Yeah. It, when you spoke about it in on your Instagram, you were talking about how she does this thing of explaining what it feels like to be gaslit mm, so well. Mm-hmm. And she does it not just through explanation, mm. but also through gaslighting you on the page. Mm. And so I was reading, I was confused. She was like, why are you here? You weren't supposed to get to this page. Oh, yeah. I was like, Carmen. That little section. <laughs> yeah. Carmen Maria Macado. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, you said that so well. I'm screaming. Yeah. <laughs> she said Spanish A-level, baby. <laughs> it's for these moments. <laughs> Which I think actually, when I first met you, I was like, "This girl is strange." Like when you were, like you were doing Spanish fables, I was like, "Why?" I think, but maybe, I loved that. Do you know what it is, Spy Kids? Really? There's a scene when you know they get to the safe house. She's like, "Carmen Agarita Gran Cortez." Yeah, <laughs> and I just wanted to do it. Yeah, I still can't do it. The commitment. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so and you're like back to enjoying it, loving it. Yeah, I'm back in my groove. Mm, okay, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm still watching Succession. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I watched like the first season of that, and I was like, this is so good, loved it. And then I just never went back. I have go such back. a bad. You're so lucky. Doing that. No, you're lucky because now you have all of this. Yeah, to, to catch go up through. On. Yeah, it's like on the final season now, isn't it? I'm just here waiting for every Monday like a beggar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a peasant. Like a peasant. Okay. What are you reading? So I... Oh, finally... wait, wait, wait. Last thing. Yeah. Rye Lane is on Disney+. Plus. It's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so you can stream it now. <laughs> okay, I will do that. Not that I have Disney+, Plus, but for the Disney+, Plus people, <laughs> go stream Rye Lane. But yeah, I am reading... I think I was telling you about this book before, and I was reading it on my Kindle. It's this Irish book called The Land of the Spices, one by Kate O'Brien. O'Brien? I'm Probably so O'Brien. sorry. That is... Are you sure? It's with an E. I still think so. O'Brien? Yeah. Okay. Kate O'Brien. And it's essentially, I think I was telling you about it, it's the one that's about like the mother superior and like the convent. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of like this really quiet, like super insightful book about like a unlikely kinship between a mother superior of a convent and like the youngest child uh, girl, like in her convent as well. And it's just like really 
subtle and it's kind of just about like obviously religion and but like even past that just kind of like about devotion and life's work and like you know giving yourself to like a purpose or like a cause Mm. and yeah I just find it interesting like I don't know if it's like especially because of you know my catholic upbringing very very hard to shake but like I (laughs) love I'm not gonna lie I love being I'm kidding (laughs) kidding but you know I actually don't mind mass like I actually really like mass I love like that like quiet reflection time and it's like I feel like that's kind of the same vibe that I get from reading this it's Mm. like the same vibe I get when I'm just kind of like sat in a church and like thinking and yeah it's just it's really good it's honestly so good I need to read more Irish fiction they are killing it they kill it like honestly and why is no one talking about it I think I don't know yeah because they but they've been doing this yeah because they've been in the game I discovered like her after like I read last year Edna O'Brien while I was on holiday the one about August being a wicked month yeah I loved that book Edna is yeah I need to read babe. more apparently she has like this trilogy that's supposed to be really really I good I love a trilogy exactly it's supposed to be really really good about like I think um, a group of uh, girls throughout their lives but yeah looks really good but yeah The Land of Spices by Kate O'Brien I also love the name mm. yeah same but then I was like why, is, why is Ireland, it's, it's Ireland yeah I was like why is that The Land of Spices you know I'm I'm looking to find out when you get to the end yeah, yeah. Let, let us know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what I'm reading so today we're talking about millennial fiction and before we get into that, I feel like we should explain what a millennial yeah, is. Yeah, like what are the parameters here? Yeah. So a millennial is someone who is born between 1980 and 2000. So age between 23 and 43. I feel like some people will Wait, disagree. 2000? Yeah, so... Yeah. No way. Do you think this is from like Bloomberg? What? They're lying. 2000. So what do you think? That's pure Gen Z. Pure. Yeah. <laughs> I think like for me, my millennial cutoff is literally like 97. 97. Mm. Okay, so... 1980 to 1997 guys (laughs) and allegedly we millennials tend to have a certain set of priorities wellness fulfillment in our careers a slowness to settle down and a fixation on identity politics does Mm. that feel are you identifying with all of that yeah seems about accurate the only thing that i would add on to that is really but i'm sure we're gonna get into that yeah okay it's just the you know financial crisis of it all yeah oh yes yes so i think that we are also characterized by our our unmixed expectations Mm, being mm. that we can't afford to buy homes Mm. or anything really yeah we can't afford to do most of what like the previous generation managed to do like with ease (laughs) you know what i mean and i feel like they're looking down on us like you suckers yeah like literally (laughs) (laughs) they're like i came out of uni and i bought my first house three years later you know on a 20 house yeah on a 25k salary what What are are you you doing doing? (laughs) and basically how these economic limitations mixed with the sense of entitlement and I think we have a sense of entitlement and it's not nothing wrong with expecting yeah. to own a house at a certain age but yeah we feel like we have a sense of entitlement to these false promises that we were raised on and it makes us difficult to be self-sufficient and sometimes we're unwilling to do what it takes to be self-sufficient mm. and I think that's a lot I don't know what, what do you mean by that I think sometimes so for example when people are like I see this a lot and I also agree with it. People say things like, 
So if you want me to save for a house, I shouldn't go to see Beyonce. I shouldn't have dinners. I shouldn't mm. have coffees. Mm-hmm. And so the things that we might need to forego mm-hmm. to maybe get a house, mm-hmm. which I think, uh, I don't even know yeah, if that's going like, to... Yeah, but that's how other people are viewing us. They're seeing us as people who like to indulge, oh, yeah. have fun. Yes. And you know, and then complain about not being exactly, able to do anything yeah. when you went to a Beyonce concert last month. Last month. But the and then is, you had avocado toast for breakfast. Oh! Get real. But life is for the living. <laughs> Be just, for real. Life is for the living and I need those boomers. Is that what they're called? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boomers. Boomers. <laughs> I need them to know that. Yeah. Okay, so that's what a millennial is. Mm-hmm. And obviously all those things are further complicated along class and racial and gender lines. Mm-hmm. Like, as in your experience as a millennial will be different. Mm-hmm. But millennial fiction is a term that literary critics have coined as a reaction to Sally Rooney's work. Mm. Apparently, it's... It, so it was literally coined because of her? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Go on. Love it for her. Yeah. So yeah, in 2018, a New York Times article called her the first great millennial author and said her books marked the arrival of millennial fiction. Damn. As if no one, Previously? no millennial had ever written before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she's been called the a voice of her generation. And ever since then, people have leaned into the term. And the basic parameters from my perspective, seem to be like focused character studies of a self-aware, kind of unlikable, realistic narrator who Mm. is 20-something. Lots of um, domestic life, like lots of the mundane, um, the characters usually having a hard time adulting, which, you know, (laughs) I get it. And then, yeah, urban dissatisfaction and just, yeah, loads of just lots of unhappiness. I see. Anxiety, feeling insecure. Millennial fiction. So what would you say are kind of like some typical millennial fiction books? Obviously, we mentioned Sally Rooney, who apparently like kicked this whole thing off. Yeah. So I guess we're also speaking about kind of like the Otessa Mosfags. But that's the thing. So like even why we're talking about this today is because I didn't identify any of these books as millennial fiction. Really? Yeah. I started to read... Oh, I read Sally Rooney because I got it as a gift. Mm. And I loved it. And then... What was your first Sally Rooney book? Normal People. Okay. And then I read... What's the other one? You told me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Conversations with Friends. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got them both at the same time, but I just chose Normal People. Normal People first. Yeah. And then and then I read Exciting Times. Mm. I think by Neve Dolan. No? I'm going to check that one. Mm. Let's just check. Okay. So Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan. But I was reading these, these books because I really like books that focus on the mundane mm. that are very internal yeah and then it wasn't until someone asked the poor like we were doing an interview for the podcast and someone was like what kind of books do you think amanda would like and she was like literary fiction i was like yeah then she was like millennial fiction and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> because i'd never heard of it and i didn't consider it to be yeah i didn't I, I didn't yeah i didn't know it was a thing mm-hmm. so but those are the books i read that made you say that so exciting times sally rooney and mm-hmm. then what's the other one luster I really, oh yeah i, like, I love yeah yeah i love luster yeah raven leilani yeah i think for me actually that was the first kind of touted and kind of marketed as millennial fiction book that i personally read i think mm. would you say that queenie's millennial fiction 
girl, you're looking at someone who didn't know what it is. <laughs> really? You don't read Queenie? No, no, I didn't read... Not that I didn't read Queenie, but I didn't... I don't know what millennial fiction is. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, no, I had to, like, after a certain point, after I've become aware of, like, this category, now go back and, and retrospectively be like, oh, so would that count? Would that count? So... But that's why the title makes no sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... But, like, so Luster was the first one where I was like, okay, this is millennial fiction and I'm going to read this. And I loved it. it I know, like... so good. I... I, th- I Lust is so good. And I know it's so like marmite because some people hate it. I can't relate to them. But then to them, I said like the girls that get it, get it. And it's one of the... No, do you know what? It's not the girls that get it, get it. If you don't like it, I judge you. (laughs) If you don't like something about it. You don't have to like the book, but if you don't like the writing. The writing. If you don't like something about Luster, come, let's tussle. (laughs) Because it's so good. It's so good. So yeah, that's what we're talking about today. What is millennial fiction? Mm. Who qualifies Mm. as a writer of millennial fiction and we have a guest to help us talk about it exactly which is so 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 exciting we're going to be joined by Oreg Vajo Williams who is the author of the new debut novel uh The Three of Us which I'm sure you've seen all over Instagram or BookTok I love the cover yeah that way inclined love the cover it's so sweet but yeah so she's going to be talking with us about millennial fiction Okay, so now we have Ori with us. Hi. We introduced you before, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were talking about you before you got you got here, I'm sorry. But she's here now and we're so excited to get into this topic with her. And firstly, just to kind of discuss millennial fiction before we get into discussing her debut novel, The Three of Us. And I love that there's three of us discussing the three oh of us. Oh my gosh. Like, it was meant to be. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I like, love this pun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so what do you think? I, like, what do you guys think qualifies as like millennial fiction? Or when you hear millennial fiction, what's the first book that comes to mind? Probably normal people. Mm. Uh. But what I would define as millennial fiction isn't necessarily written by millennials. I think mm. what the industry now defines as millennial fiction is fiction that's about like love and relationships today. Mm. And I think that anything that's about that, they're like, this is millennial fiction. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like. Anybody could write that. Yeah. They could yeah. be like 57 and you could be like, this is millennial fiction because it's about da, 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 da. So I'm like, I think it's just because I think we that's all that we think about. Mm. I say that having written about it myself. But <laughs> like, I think that that's, they think that that's all we write about. And so they're like, this is what is millennial fiction. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the first thing I definitely think of is Normal People by Sally Rooney. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, like same it would be normal people. Yeah, I feel, one. I feel like it was forced upon me. Yeah. <laughs> I've said this already because I, so my, what I understand now to be millennial fiction is, or are books that talk about, yeah, like are very like introspective. Mm-hmm. People talking about how hard it is to be alive, mm. to make money. Especially in a very specific time, which yeah. is like this time. You well, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all the unique kind of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, now that you talk about relationships, I didn't even think about that either. But it's true. I see that as a common thread, yeah. especially in the salary reading books, yeah. in exciting times. Yeah, and it's yeah. always like a dissatisfaction with relationships or yeah. like an inability to like communicate adequately in relationships. Inability to commit. Right. Mm. I have this theory about communication in Sally Rooney. Mm. I think that she is on a mission. She's been commissioned by the UN <laughs> to <laughs> to show us what happens when we don't communicate adequately because mm. in every single one of her books 
it is the issue that they cannot communicate properly. And yeah. so that's why everything falters. Mm. And she's basically trying to show us like, your life would be so much easier if you just knew how to communicate better. Yeah. And that is her mission. That is her life's goal and her life's work. And she's doing it really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Because like when I was reading Normal People, literally like half the time, I was like, just talk exactly. to each yeah. other. <laughs> Tell yeah. them you love him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Yeah, honestly. It's so, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so, but it's, it's funny that we've all kind of said Sally Rooney is the person we first think of. Yeah. Because it feels like she's now the control group against mm. which all millennial fiction gets judged. Yeah. But I just want to say that she does... She's never said this about herself. Mm. She has not said she is a voice of a generation. <laughs> and there's a quote. She basically said, I certainly never intended to speak for anyone other than myself. Even myself, I find it difficult to speak for. My books may well fail as artistic endeavours, but I don't want them to fail for speaking to and for a generation for which I never intended to speak in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, in the very beginning... <laughs> <laughs> That was literally my reaction. Because in the very beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was very much kind of like, not, okay, no, I'm not going to say I was like anti Sally Rooney, but I think <laughs> I was like anti this whole kind of like generalization mm. of like, you know, that being millennial fiction and just that, because that is not like a. Uh, that is not the millennial experience, yeah. you know, like mm. it's not, it's not my experience, oh. you know. And then I was just kind of like, yeah, like why, what is it? But like she didn't do it herself. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I remember often, and I think it was Amanda, like, because we used to talk about this like a lot. I used to fight for Sally yeah. like <laughs> Amanda was going to bat for Sally Rooney. <laughs> Can't leave her alone. <laughs> Like, I was like, she doesn't speak for me. Yes, she, like, <laughs> no, because people are always she? like, she's so overrated. Da, da, da. I was like, but that, what's that got to do with her? Yeah. Other people she are overrating her. Yeah. 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 Even though it's making her a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> a ton. But yeah, so I think after we spoke and then also like seeing her like speak about this, I was kind of like, oh, you know what? That is true. Like mm-hmm. the media will just kind of like force something upon, like force yeah. something upon a person. Yeah. And then now you have to like live and react to that constantly when you're like, I didn't even... Yeah, I didn't even say this. Yeah. Like that yeah. wasn't even me. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think this. I'm not trying to speak for like all millennials. You yeah. know. What about you? We didn't ask you. What is millennial fiction to you? Yeah. So I think just I think especially for me, it's the whole dissatisfaction aspect mm. of it. Like I feel like that's like a running theme for me that I've like picked up, and then also this whole thing of like ex- like existential dread mm. as well. Mm. And I think what I like about like millennial fiction is like obviously. Existential dread isn't anything new. Like generations previously have always spoken about it, but I feel like previously in previous generations, previously in previous generations, <laughs> <laughs> previously. But, um, I almost said next episode. Yeah. I was just thinking that. <laughs> previously on the previous generation, but yeah, no. So <laughs> in the previous gen- generation, I feel like it was books kind of like catcher in the rye mm. by jd salinger like mm. on the road where it's just essentially white men realizing that this world is broken <laughs> <laughs> spinning out and just like leaving a trail of destruction and yeah. everyone was like yeah this makes sense because the world is broken yeah. you know mm. and then now i feel like millennial fiction essentially just kind of hands that same kind of like experience into the hands of women and people of color mm. which is what i enjoyed the most about it and i think which is what kind of like sets it aside because i was actually trying to think when we were discussing this i was like can i think of a white male author who I who is consistently labelled as millennial fiction, and I couldn't come up with one. I might say Derek. Would we not just say white Derek? male? White. Oh. 
<laughs> Sorry, Derek. <laughs> I mean, fixing my mouth to say Owusu. Oh, <laughs> it was like white. <laughs> I said, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Screaming. I only think in color. <laughs> You said white, I was like black. <laughs> said, but anyway, um, but yeah, like I who Max Porter. Oh, what's he written? But he doesn't. He, I think, is cast as a millennial in the sense of when he's born and how old he is. Mm. But I think he doesn't write what we would call millennial fiction. Mm. I would say he doesn't really write about love and relationships. What or, does he write about? Grief is the thing with feathers. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, I've read. I've it, not read it. I've heard of that. He's very like experimental. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like form and stuff is like mm-hmm. poetic and what he writes about, mm. I could not define. Mm. Mm. But Me that's too. I think the problem with millennial fiction. Like it's forcing, like you said, it's actually a fake. It's a cover for mm. love and relationships, mm. as existential dread, mm. introspective narrator yeah. mm-hmm. or narration. And then you have loads of people born within, like born born and are millennials writing, and then they're just not yeah. considered that. Yeah. yeah, because thinking about it now, actually, I think also it's mainly actually kind of used as like a marketing tool, mm. like surely at this point, mm. because I feel like it's very specific what we are kind of like labeling millennial fiction. Yeah. It's not just every time a millennial person writes, it's millennial fiction, yeah. right? That's so then, very interesting. Yeah. And then, do you think that we should expand the definition or just get rid of it altogether? The thing is, I think sometimes when you've already labelled something, you've given it a definition and that's stuck mm. in people's minds, it's hard to expand it. Mm. But at the same time, there's a benefit to millennial fiction in terms of attracting specific audiences mm. and yeah. getting people who don't really necessarily like to read into reading because they're like, what's millennial fiction? It's about things that I care about. Mm. So that's not an answer. But that's my answer. <laughs> no, it is, it is an answer. That is an answer. That is an answer. And that's true. That's true. Mm. I feel like we just expand it though. Because, I mean, I feel like it already is expansive. The only thing that isn't like as reflective of how diverse like kind of the category is in itself is just the way that people talk about it in terms of like news outlets or like literary magazines or like whatever else but like in terms of like people who are writing and also writing in these same parameters I feel like it is expansive Mm. you know it covers all sorts like there's millennial fiction that after I read Sally Rooney I then read and was like oh I feel like this is more mm, familiar or similar to like what I is my yeah. quote millennial experience mm. so I feel like it's all out there right yeah. but then if we didn't call Sally Rooney's books for example yeah, millennial sorry, fiction yeah sorry babe, <laughs> sorry, babe. <laughs> we get it <laughs> if we didn't call that millennial fiction yeah. what would you call it literary fiction yeah commercial yeah, contem- fiction contemporary, contemporary yeah. literature yeah. yeah exactly. so I think that's just what it is yeah, <laughs> yeah literally yeah, it literally is yeah because like as you said here like every like every generation or whatever, like yeah. is going to be a reflection of its like times and yeah. a specific mm. cultural mm. moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Can I just say, even before we start, because we were saying earlier how like we love the cover, but can I just say how even on the cover, the husband's the only one drinking red? <laughs> I <laughs> love that. I said yes, Billy No Mates on your ones. <laughs> that is so smart. <laughs> on your ones. <laughs> that 
<laughs> literally like already like from the cover you can see kind of like the affinities here and like the dynamics are like in play yeah. and I just was mm. like okay <laughs> so to start off you know like just you know, even though no, we've I'm actually gonna start off, off from there yeah yeah <laughs> okay. I'm cutting this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just kind of like start off about it. So this is Ori's debut novel. It's called The Three of Us. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so it is a novel about a wife, her husband and her best friend. Mm. And it asks the question, what would you do if your best friend and your partner or husband or wife or whoever hated each other? Mm. It's set over the course of one day and it's told from all three of their perspectives. First the wife, then the husband and the best friend. And included in that day is a lot of wine. I think the wine is like the fourth character. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, the three and, of us featuring wine. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and um, as they're drinking the wine, as the day is going on, the tensions between the best friend and the husband sort of bubble to the surface. Mm. And then a little bit over as well. Can we actually start there? Because this book is so tense. <laughs> like the atmosphere... Like, mm. when I was reading it, was, like, t- I was, like, tensioned. <laughs> like, honestly, I was, like, I was, pi- I was piling the pages back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, any kind of, like, interaction, not just between the best friend and the husband, but for me also, like, between the wife and the husband, yeah. I was so, because at every turn, I was just kind of, like, which side is she going to pick? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Can I say, can I actually say what it was giving? Yeah. It was actually giving Beyonce in the elevator. <laughs> yes. That it was giving Beyonce no, in the elevator. Absolutely. Like, let me just step back. One. Yeah. Like, like, she said, I'm just going to. Don't spill my wine. <laughs> let me fix my dress. My dress. <laughs> like, really, oh my those are very much the vibes. <laughs> so, yeah, the tension. Oh, sorry, I lost my stream. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> That's a new one. I need to use that. That's so good. <laughs> it's very accurate for the wife. <laughs> yeah, no, it is because she's very much like separate, not like separate from it, but she's very much like she's not picking sides, is yeah, she? Yeah. And then you said you dedicated this book to your best friend as yeah. well. So she, like she's not a hater. She's a, <laughs> she's everyone asks this, everyone's like she, and it's funny because when she first read the book, she's like, Oh my gosh, am I telling me? And I was like, No, you're literally like the nicest person on planet Earth. Try again. But it, the book was itself inspired by a conversation I had with her. Oh, okay. Because I'd started seeing someone and I was like, Oh, I really like him. And she was like, Oh, am I gonna get a boyfriend? I'm never gonna see you, he's always gonna be with you. And I was yeah. like, No, babe, you come first, he will understand that. Aww. And then I was like, Ooh, wait a second. <laughs> so what would happen though if yeah. there was a kind of situation mm. where you had your best friend and you had your partner and whatever and they really just did not get along. Mm. And so then that first line that's in the book was the first line that I wrote, Timmy comes over at 12 mm. and it very much started with her and then it just sort of built from there. Yeah. But even you saying, so your, your friend saying, am I Temmy? And you saying, no, you're the nicest person. You're saying that you don't think Temmy is a nice person. Who does? And that's the question. <laughs> Why have you made these people that I hate? I hate all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm so sorry. Justice for the husband. <laughs> Just, and I, honestly, it kind of makes me sick to even say that. Like, I can't Should. believe that I read He a had book. overexposed ankles. There's no... <laughs> Justice for us. <laughs> yeah, that was like overexposed ankles and tight jeans. <laughs> Literally. And after that, ripped jeans. He didn't have those, but that would have been... <laughs> but I cannot believe that I read like a novel about like a friendship between two women and then like a husband on the periphery. And I felt bad for the husband. And I love for you, you for inciting that in her. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. 
<laughs> I was reading it. I was like, not me feeling sorry for a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Who is she? But yeah, why did you write these characters? I think are generally unlikable. I don't mm. have a problem with unlikable characters. Mm. But did you do it on purpose? Um, yes and no. So here's the thing. I actually think, and you, you may, you specifically may fight me. Um, I think that there is actually a little bit of each of the characters in all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there is the person who wants everything to be okay, wants everyone to get along, everything mm-hmm. to be calm. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's the wife. I think there's a there's a husband in all of us that you know is like, this is my peace, this is my space. Yeah. I need it to be calm and peaceful. I don't want any disruption in that. Mm-hmm. And this is my cycle of trust or whatever. And then there's the person who is like, this is the truth and I must hold fast to it. And anyone mm. who strays from this must be eliminated kind mm. of person. Mm-hmm. And and someone who's like, you know, you could call Tammy really loyal. The fact is, though, that I did want to write rich, messy people. Mm. And I wanted that ridiculousness to them that mm. I just thought was really entertaining. And someone said to me a little while ago that it gave them Nollywood vibes. And I yes. was like, oh, I love it that. It gave me, and I love Nollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Nollywood's biggest fan right here. <laughs> Even though I, they're unlikable, I don't not see myself in them. Yeah, like, yeah. if you took my life just for one day, yeah. I could be extremely unlikable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and I wasn't then... looking at them like, you know, you know, you're losers, you're so bad people. I was just thinking, gosh, I don't like any of them. Yeah. But I'm just like, yeah. Like... yeah. And like, I completely like love the whole like rich, messy people thing mm-hmm. because what says rich and messy? Like being three bottles of wine deep. At like midday or no on a weekday, not a care in the world. <laughs> not a single email to respond to. <laughs> Except for the husband, you know. Oh, you see? Yeah. Yeah. He did he did feel like the only person who I felt sorry for. Yeah. Yeah. I cared about him. Aww. Yeah, I did. Really Until he would say things like with my money. Every time he said that, I was like, God damn. <laughs> there you go, ruined There things. it goes. <laughs> there it goes. There it is. Someone said to me yesterday, he said that the husband, for someone who talks about himself a lot, he is very much not self-aware. Mm. And so like things like the with my money comment, he's like, woe is me. My life is this. And this woman has ruined it. And my wife is she's supposed to be doing this. And this is coming. This is a problem. And it's like, okay, but what about your part in all of this? Mm. He's very much a everyone else is to blame mm. I am not to blame kind of guy yeah mm. but then that's the thing like, in his be- in in his thinking mm. yes but then in his behaviour I feel like he was actually very I don't want to spoil anything for anybody <laughs> but I felt like he very much respected his wife mm. and was very accommodating very to the relationship that mm. she has mm. even though it was very frustrating and I feel like in any relationship there'll be frustrating like baggage that comes along with mm. the person you choose to be with and I feel like he I mean yeah I feel like he did well enough he, he, did <laughs> he tried his, he did his best honestly <laughs> he did his best he really did because I would have lost it at the wine like I don't know if that's a spoiler but like the like the wine that he'd been saving yeah, up yeah. that would have been where I <laughs> you'd be like get get out <laughs> like honestly Actually, so we wanted to speak a bit more about the structure as well, because I love books that kind of just take place over like a single day, because I think there's just so much more room for like really detailed, like nuance Mm. and like getting to know characters very like deeply. So I just kind of wanted to ask like why you were drawn to that structure and like kind of like how you feel like it might have helped or even hindered these characters. I... Two reasons. Mm. One, laziness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not joking. Um, my mum. Yeah, I was like, there's nothing lazy yeah. about this. 
gonna be like, don't say that about yourself. Words have power. Um, <laughs> but I think I basically I wanted the tension and everything to be bubbling over at that point, mm. and I wanted them to feel very real in that there was this whole backstory which you get snippets of, mm. but you can tell even with the stuff that you don't see that there are obviously things that have happened. They've been butting heads for a long time, and this is the culmination of all of that. Mm. And then I also liked thought about the idea that you know you're inside these, you're very much inside these people's heads mm. and you are hearing their every thought it's very much an internal monologue and I was like how long could anyone tolerate being in someone's head mm. I knew that I was getting I think the wife section was a lot longer when I first wrote the book mm. and it's been cut down significantly and I think I was oh, like really? I don't need to be in her head for that long mm. especially because she, even though she she feels like she's on the periphery in terms of she's observing and she's really not participating, you know, I don't need to be in her head for that for that long. Mm. And I want to hear what everybody else has to say as well. Mm. So I was like, let's keep it shorter and sweeter. And then also you get the culmination of more of that tension in one day when you leave it as one day. Yeah. And also it means that they can drink and it's not like they're on like a 10 day binge drinking. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. Although I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. <laughs> the way they were drinking. <laughs> and nobody was swooning. <laughs> I wanted to ask why Temi is the only named character. Yeah, like, is Temi the main character? Like, She does have main character energy. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, main character energy. She wraps it up at the end. She's the only one who's actually explicitly named. Mm-hmm. Well, the, again, two, two answers. Yeah. First, I couldn't really think of names that fit for the husband and the wife. Mm. And I was just like, no, that name doesn't fit. That name doesn't fit either. It just doesn't sound right. And then I didn't want them to also have, like, weird or like cute nicknames for each other that riffed off their names and I was like mm, this doesn't feel right and then when I was thinking about it some more I was like actually they very much think of each other as their roles as husband mm. and as wife mm. and so it makes sense that that's how they would refer to each other like my husband and my wife like it's a it's a a, a kind of point of stature for them like this makes me a person to have a husband to have a wife mm. and then for Temi she very much wants to separate herself from the husband who's like my friend's husband mm. like that mm. man mm. at that and distance exactly and then the best friend is like that's my friend that's who she is to me mm. her name it doesn't matter she's my friend no matter what kind of mm. situation so mm-hmm. it then just like as I went on I was like this just makes so much more sense and then I thought it was like oh it's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what actually I like this <laughs> When you when you were talking about Sally Rooney, you were saying how what sh- what we should take away from her books is that people just need to communicate. What do you feel like people should take away from your book? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's something that they should take away or just something that you know, maybe it would make them think about. Is mm. that who gets to decide who we are? Do we decide who mm. we are, or the people who interact with us every day decide who we are? Yeah. And does that mean we're all playing a role mm. in any kind of way? Do we play a role of daughter and we go to do things for our parents because we're their daughters or their sons or whatever? Mm. Do we play roles as friends? Do we do specific things because that's what we feel like we're supposed to do or because it's what we want to do? Yeah. And also then who gets to decide what the truth is, which you obviously get towards the latter stages of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just kind of... If anything, that's what I want people, I, I would love people to think about. But mm. I think in terms of what they take away, I, it's up to them. I have this thing yeah. where I'm like, I've written it and it's out there and it now belongs to everybody else. Yeah. And so their interpretations are very much their own. Mm. And I love hearing people's different like ideas about what the book is or mm. what the book is about and who did what and who's this. And like, it's really interesting that you guys are, well, it's not, you actually are one of many. I think there's literally like a team husband crew at this point. Really? Um, <laughs> there's an anti-Temi crew. There's a very small pro-Temi contingent. Um, <laughs> I might be. <laughs> oh, you're on the fence. Yeah, I'm. I'm so on the fence with her. Which is I don't so, like any of them. Which is so because I love a messy character yeah. though. Like I love a good bitch. I love like a. 
you know what, so maybe, mm, no, I think the only thing that stops me from being pro-Temi is that I'm just kind of like, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> I so I'm so much more interested in the wife. Mm-hmm. I just yes. want to know how she why she's sitting there, yeah, yeah. spluttering. Mm. I'm like, what? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Say something. I'm like, speak up. <laughs> no, like I was like the husband the whole time. Like yeah. you know when he would watch Temi and the wife interact, and there would be these moments where he would be expecting his wife to step in and defend him, mm. his wife to step in and be on his side. And each and every time, at every turn, she just never was. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, do you hate this man? Yeah, but I love does the- she. I, I love the boldness. It's so bold to be in front of your husband and your best friend and not defend either of them and just sit there laugh, la- <laughs> laughing at both of them. And I feel like that to me in those moments is her being for herself. Mm. But also I, I was like, who, who do you? Yeah. yeah. Can I actually say also that Temi, the character, reminded me a lot of like Sula from like just Tony Morrison. Ah. Yeah, like the character. Just because I felt like she was also very much like so like strong in the way mm. that she views her life mm. and the way that she wants to live it mm. and how she's not divesting from that at all, mm. regardless mm. of like who she has to run over in the process. <laughs> like she was like, look, yeah. this is a life that we said we're going to live and we're going to live it, yeah. you know? <laughs> so like, I, lo- I did kind of like that about yeah. her. And it's like, I also understand the thing about like, especially female friendships and like community mm. and being like, because sometimes you do feel like your best friend is actually your life partner. Yeah. And I think that was Temi saying, she was like, I'm your life partner. Mm. Who is this man? Who's this guy? Who's this man? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what's he doing here? And why this guy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is what makes it even harder sometimes. Like, if you don't get it, you're like... Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, happy for you. (laughs) But also really not happy for you. I have a question for both of you oh, okay. because this is this is something that I found really interesting because someone was asking me yesterday who was the hardest person to write and I said <gasps> Temi was quite hard to write because I felt this pressure she was this funny person kind of throughout both the husband's bit and the wife's bit mm. she's just like her quips and everything like that and I was like but then it's her perspective that means she's got to be even funnier and like with her quips and everything mm. but also she can't just be this like all she is is insult you know she's got to be a fully well-rounded like 3D character yeah so I found her quite hard to write. I found her quite fun, but also quite hard to write. Yeah. But then I was like, it's weird because I thought she was the funniest, but then loads of people have said they found the husband really funny. I was going to say, the husband was so funny. And I was like, okay, interesting, because I was not trying to make him funny. Really? But apparently his bit is like, people find him really funny. And I've been like, I failed, but succeeded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he is the funniest. Yeah. He there's, is. There's like that bit where, you know, the running gag about like the Kardashians <laughs> and like him, people are dying. And, and him then, using like, it as a mantra. Yeah, literally like saying it to himself or like she's about to say it and he'll just finish off like, yes, people are dying. Like I thought that was so funny and like so sweet. Because it reminds me, I feel like men, oh my God. <laughs> Not to be gender essentialist, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot of the time, like guys would do that thing where they pick up these pop cultural references from like their partners and their girlfriends yeah. or whatever, especially when it comes to stuff like the Kardashians or like yeah. Royal Housewives. <laughs> and then they'll like they'll start saying it ironically yeah. and then eventually they actually start saying it like <laughs> as a thing because yeah. it makes sense. So yeah, I, I thought he was really, really funny. He was funny. He I think Temi was funny in the way that the things that she said were funny. Mm. And then the the husband was funny in his Obsessive obsessions. Mm-hmm. So even with like redecorating, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. He said, "I'm not living in the house with that." <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and even the repetition of the money thing, mm. yeah. but also the overexposed ankles. I was. <laughs> I mean, that was actually. That was, I, let I think it go. that was in um, actually the wife's kit. <laughs> um, I can't let it go. Because now, because now, I, as soon as you said that, I knew exactly what kind of man he was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I knew where he worked, the car he dro- drove. She's like, I've seen this man. <laughs> 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 oh my god okay, so with that being said actually because I love that question about like which character was the hardest but like so which one did you which character did you enjoy enjoy writing the most oh I love all of them <laughs> what was the e- which was the easiest to write I think the wife because she was so droll and one note mm. it was so fun to like tap into <laughs> that kind of person mm-hmm. who's just like and this happened oh what a shame yeah, for the drama so well. oh dear everyone's in turmoil yeah. shame. Like, is she happy can you tell us what do you think? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she I think, is. Yeah. I yeah. think she was she happy. Got, she got the best of both worlds. Yeah, which is why I was saying, like, tell me, what's your problem? Because I feel like <laughs> the wife is happy. Like, she She's has paying for what she food. wants. Yeah. Like, her. I feel like the husband, to a certain extent, understands his wife mm. and kind of, like, what they have going on with mm. each other. And I feel like he's satisfied with mm. that. There's even a... a bit in the book where he says that he knows that he loves her more mm. than she loves him and he's happy with that mm. you know <laughs> so, like, I just want peace yeah <laughs> and my so, wine yeah. do you know what you're really? so mad about that wine I'm so mad about it honestly when I was reading it I I literally gasped I literally gasped I was like that that is so what it felt so unnecessary <laughs> yeah. and just rude so rude <laughs> but, but yeah Okay, so yeah, we really, really enjoyed reading this book. And I think it's out in the UK, the 11th. So it already should yeah. be out once the, the episode, the episode drops. Yeah. So that was the 11th of May. So please go out and buy the three of us wherever you buy your books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so oh. much for reading, guys, and for having me. No, we loved it. <laughs> but also, when is it out in the US? Or like, when 16th it? of May in the US mm. and Canada, so okay, North cool. America, and mm. then the 8th of June in Nigeria. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, so you guys go out and get that. Okay, so now we're back for our book recommendation segment, which Ori is going to be joining us for, so we're really excited for that. More recommendations for your head top. (laughs) (laughs) So this reader reader you know so (laughs) reader listener reader listener so yeah actually this reader who this you know this (laughs) listener listener who reads (laughs) thank you (laughs) listener who reads um said hey stacks i'm keen to get into more classic black authors i've read writers like james baldwin and zora neale hurston and would like some more recommendations to add to this canon which is, you know, nice and simple, nice and easy. So we thought this would be a fun one to, like, throw a couple of recommendations at. And we kind of tried to break it down into, like, regions as well because I feel like there's mm. a different kind of school, like, classic black authors yeah. for, like, every region. Mm. Yeah. So obviously we have, like, America, and we're going to do Africa, and then we're going to do the UK as well. Yeah. Yeah. So for America, mm. I think Alice Walker. Mm. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Octavia, Octavia Butler. Yeah. Yes, Octavia Butler. And you know, I feel like, especially like with Alice Walker, people don't read past The Colour Purple. Oh, and that is not her second best book. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In Love and Trouble. Oh, Go yeah. I remember you reading that. So good. Okay. 
Adding that to my yeah. writing list. Mm. <laughs> and then I was going to add on Tony Cade Bambara as well, because I feel like she's not really spoken about as much. Mm. And then, you know, cause since we're like, we can't say Toni Morrison anymore, I was like, let's recommend someone that she discovered and edited. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So she has this book called These Bones Are Not My Child, mm. which is like really, really good. She also wrote The Salt Eaters as well. Mm. And she's a really, really good one. And she wrote like a lot of like really good books, but I feel like she's always just kind of like forgotten a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Also Wanda Coleman. Wanda Coleman, who is a poet, but yeah, yeah mm. absolutely. Wanda Coleman's a good one for America. And then for Africa. Bucci Emicheta. Mm. Yes, who we love. Also last season we talked about um, The Joys of The Joys of Motherhood, mm. yes. But then she has so many others as yeah. well. The, the Bride, Bride Prize. In the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then also Nguji Wationgo. Yes, The River Between is one of my favourite exactly. books. I love that book so much. I've never much. read it. What's it about? It's, it's about a kid who is dealing with, it's basically like the tribal customs yeah. that are going on mm-hmm. and essentially how that affects him in his life. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it in years, but I remember so, I just loved that book so okay, much. It was yeah, so beautifully written. That down. I would also say Chinua Achebe. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And Cipriana Quincy, who wrote Jaguanana. I loved Ooh. that book. Hmm. If I'm remembering it correctly, I haven't read it in ages. It's about a prostitute hmm. and it's fantastic. I hmm. love that book. It was I so love good. how you just left it there. It's about prostitute and she's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> and she's dealing with some things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really that's a really, really good one. Okay. Wait, what was the second one? Cyprian Aquensi. Cyprian Aquensi. Yeah. I've never heard. Yeah, honestly. C Y P R I A N, and then Aquensi. Basically, oh, how it looks. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Wow. He's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, say less. I'll be, I'll be looking at that. <laughs> oh, I've seen that cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, a really. Why am good I cover screaming? Because <laughs> he's gorgeous. <laughs> The other one is like a Ghanaian one. I can't remember the author's name now, but like the beautiful Ama, ones are not yet oh, born. Ama Ata Ido? Oh. No, different. But yes, Ama Ata Ido, definitely. That's Sister Killjoy. Yes. But the beautiful ones are not yet born yes, was that by. Title I know, but the author I can't think of. Same. I want to say Kwa. Ayi Kwe Ama? Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yes, that one as well. <laughs> Okay. okay, yeah, so that was loads for Africa. And then, <laughs> and I, you know, I hate to say just kind of like Africa, but you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well do? then let's just throw in, because we did, I think that was very West. Was that very West Africa? No, 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 because Nguji okay. is East African. Because um, I also think Tsitsi, but is, would you... Ooh, oh, there's also yeah. Bessie Head, mm. who's Southern Af- who's South African, I yeah. believe, uh, where the rain clouds gather. That's a great yeah. book as well. Yeah, we covered some ground. That was Africa. Yeah, that was Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And then if you want to read some classic black UK authors as well, which I think a lot of the time also um, end up being Caribbean. Yeah. So like Caribbean British. Yeah. Which also I feel like is a region that's really underappreciated when it comes to like literature because mm. they write so well in yeah. Caribbean. Yeah. So we have like Sam Sevlon who wrote The Lonely Londoners. Yeah. If you are a Londoner as well, that's always a good one. Yeah. It's obviously about basically the, when the people came over for like Windrush generation, mm. right? Mm. So it kind of like explores that. And oh, I was going to then say Andrea. Andrea Levy. Yeah, Andrea Levy. Yeah. Oh, 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 y
Jackie Kay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I literally don't know why. <laughs> Can't think of why. But yeah, yeah um, okay. I think because then Jackie Kay's Scottish, then I'm like, no, Angela Levy's Scottish, but she's not Scottish. Yeah. Well, yeah. She wasn't Scottish. So. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Angela Levy. Also, her book, The Long Song, is also a series on BBC iPlayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shouts out to Mara. Yeah, shout out to Mara. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that more or less covered it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so oh, well, you could You could also say that Bernadine Evaristo is, at this point, like a classic. But Because even before Girl Woman, She had loads of She had mm-hmm. loads and loads and loads and loads of books that are really fantastic. So basically her entire list, her yeah. entire back yeah. I would say. Great. There we go. That's, you've got a lot to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we do need to, like, do more of this. Like, honestly, I know that we're trying to do away, like, with the whole concept of, like, a canon. Mm. But I think we really do need to be intentional about, mm. like, pointing out and, like, keeping these authors' names and their works, like, alive. Especially, mm. like, you know, um, as time goes on. Because there's so many people, so many books, so many, like, great works of art being forgotten. Yeah. So... Especially yeah. in terms of Black British canon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That re- I feel like I do, this time I'm using his name right, um, in the well, right context. Derek Arusio, I feel like he collects... <laughs> <laughs> I think he collects Black British writers. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember when he was on Instagram, I feel like he had he was like collecting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe so he's someone like we should speak to. Yeah. yeah, important work. Definitely. You definitely should, especially he was just on the Grand Tour. Um, young writers yeah. list. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And yeah. Natasha Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Shout out, y'all. I think both of them are both future classics. And I would say also Caleb Bazuma Nelson, I would mm. say it's probably a future classic in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got a lot of good a lot of good writers coming up. Yeah. And can I just say that I love how many more kind of like black male British mm. like writers uh, are coming. being given these opportunities as well. Yeah. And like, you know, being given the spotlight and yeah, being pushed the way that they should be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah love Yomi that. Shade, yeah, exactly. Femi. I feel like it's a very specific experience and it's one that like should be spoken about, especially by the people that go through it. Mm. You know? I feel like previously, whenever we were speaking about like black British experience, it was always it was not us talking about it, you know. Yeah. When I found out Top Boy was written by a white man. Huh? Well, I found that out now. So, oh, <laughs> Top Boy is written by a white man. He See, does it well, though. Yeah, but I'm like, what are you drawing from? What are you drawing from? Apparently, like, he went. He went to the streets. <laughs> oh my god! Surely not. Sure. See, every every episode. I'm typing it now. I'm googling it now. Just to confirm. Because there's, there's got to be like a writer's room and... Do you know what I mean? But I'm, sure there, I'm sure there is. But it's like Ronan even, Bennett, this is the man. It's like even for you to come up with the concept though, I'm like, what are you drawing? Oh my God, he's middle-aged as well. 67 year old Ronan. Oh my gosh. He's Irish. Okay, well, shout out the Irish. I do love Irish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes it better. They've been, they've been through it, I to said, be well, fair. That's okay. The Irish, they've been through it. He's yeah. a white man of colour. <laughs> What did you, what's the name of that book you said? Land of the Spices. <laughs> no, yeah, because I was saying, like, I was reading, I've been reading this book called Land of the Spices, and yeah. it's an Irish book. Like, an old Irish book as well. And I picked it up the whole time while I was thinking, like, what is the Land of the Spices? <laughs> I, I didn't think like, it was Ireland. It's <laughs> Ireland? Yeah, Ronan Bennett wrote, to, oh. writes Top Boy. Wow. wow. You learn something new every day. Or maybe he just did Top Boy, the first one. Like, what, he just produced it? It says writer and producer, and... I just wrote who wrote Top Boy. Mm. Damn. Wow. Okay, well, let us know which book you choose. 
yeah and, and anyone else with book recommendations book requests sorry mm-hmm. let us know and also if you have book recommendations you can tell us yeah like if you want to add on to this list as well like yeah. please let's talk about it okay so takeaways mm-hmm. Ori, starting Ooh, with you what for my conversation today yes, yes. Ooh. Nothing and no one are ever as they seem. Mm. That's a good one. That is such, you're such a writer. <laughs> Especially she said, I'll leave you with some intrigue. Work for it. <laughs> I try. But uh, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, this one especially. But, sorry, I know you guys can't see, but I'm pointing at the wife. <laughs> Okay, and then my takeaway, honestly, like overall, is just like, leave Sally Rooney alone. (laughs) I want the publishing houses, I want the media outlets, I want everyone to just leave her alone. (laughs) Until she comes out and says something other than leave me alone. (laughs) Let's just excuse her from this narrative, you know, because I feel like we're giving her undue hate for like no reason. Yeah. You know I support that message. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think my takeaway is, firstly, I have two takeaways. I'm back. Two, two take takeaways, Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> First takeaway is, yeah, that millennial fiction doesn't necessarily mean millennial fiction. Obviously, loads of millennials are writing and they're not, they won't be put in that category. So bear that in mind, because I didn't know before mm-hmm. people were telling me that I was a reader of millennial fiction. And then the second takeaway is, yeah, read The Three of Us, buy The Three of Us, yeah. go and get it. I love it. Call me to talk about it because I've been talking about it all week and I'm not getting tired of it yet. Yeah, honestly. If you saw how many like pages I've tabbed in honestly, my copy, it's... We have to cut the conversation short because we don't want to spoil it for you guys. And you know, I literally colour-coded it by character. Blue for the oh husband, God, pink for... Pink for the wife and orange. I love no, no, orange so for much. the wife and pink for Tammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I was, I was just going to say, cover. you match. <gasps> it matches the cover. I thought you did it on purpose. No, I, I like, genuinely oh. didn't. Wow. <gasps> It's meant, See, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. This is how you know that this book is well-rounded in every aspect. You guys thought of everything. It all makes sense. Right down to the colour scheme. But yes, go out and buy the three of us. And yeah, let's talk about that ending. Yes. Because I'm saying nothing now. Yeah. For now. <laughs> but catch us on Instagram where we will be talking about that ending. Come, is it come 11th of May? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be waiting outside. <laughs> So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you, Ori, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us your time. We had such a lovely conversation. This was so fun. And also join us next week where we're going to be talking about short stories. Cannot wait. I am ready. Amanda's so giddy at the thought. Yeah, so we're going to be discussing our favourite short stories, our favourite short story collections, all that good stuff. Which I feel like we've already been talking about short stories a fair bit so yeah, far. Yeah. yeah, You know we're massive fans, so... Yeah. yeah. Sephora really put me on, actually. Yeah. I try. You the queen. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram, at the Stacked Pod. Um, please join our book community. Send us your book requests. You can follow me, Amanda, at Amanda Afwa. And me, Zipporah, at Black and Bound. Oh, and me. Sorry, we actually didn't even give you a heads up. Yeah. We were just like, and me. <laughs> 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 <
find you well <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Ori A. Williams on Instagram oh great this has been stacked and remember to pick up a book people pick up the three of us <laughs> yes oh